I got to address this ridiculousness. Two things, two things. Number one, I hope you know how much our pastors love you and that we will go at great lengths. I mean, there are no limits to help you have a smile on your face and bring a little bit of cheer and joy, all right? Number two, number two, some of you are watching this and you're like, all right, the tambourine is back. And you've got a tambourine in your closet. And you're thinking, I've got the green light now. And I can bring my tambourine back to church. This was a joke, all right. Parody, people. If you bring your tambourine to church and you play it at will, it's been a long time since we've had church discipline. But we may have to exercise it if you bring your tambourine back to church. How many of you know that we can have fun in church? It's okay to laugh. It should be a sin for church to be boring. And there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be joyful about. How many of you know Jesus is alive? He is still saving people from their sin. Like in the last month, 62 of our friends that publicly surrendered their lives to Jesus, three in the first service, 19 of our friends have been publicly baptized in water to show that Christ has made them a new creation. That's a lot to be excited about. God is moving. We're starting a brand new church. There's new life in Christ. We've got new life like with babies. How many of you know new babies? That just brings a smile to your face. Well, this past week, the Robertsons, Matt and Christy, brought their fourth child into the, road, into the world. Sweet little Julia Rose. Mm. I got to hold her in my arms last night. And I, it, there's nothing like this. She is so beautiful. She's perfect. I mean, she really is. And you can't help just smile and ooh. And, you know, but, but Matt and Christy, like Christy is young. But Matt, he's like my age. And I'm holding this baby, and I'm thinking, man, I'm in my late 40s now. I'm 47. I didn't know if it was physically possible to still have children. And it is. And I did some research, y'all. And we all know the Internet is true, right? (laughs) And I discovered that there was a lady named Maria Del Carmen, 66 years old, recently gave birth to twins. It's possible. I just want to go on the record and go, Stephanie, we're not old. We can still have kids. We can st- There's a story in the Bible of a couple of people who thought they were too old to have kids. Turn with me, all right, turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. We're in the Old Testament today, and we're going to discover how to have joy in the journey. How to have joy when you face a trial, when things are hard. How do we still have joy, all right? Because this was a dark time in Israel's history. There was, it, it was just filled with hopelessness and despair. The children of Israel felt forgotten. And God made a covenant. He made a promise with the children of Israel that they would be blessed. And he would bless them through the seed of Abraham and Sarah. Through their children. And there would be multitudes of people as a result. There's only one problem. Abraham and Sarah were old. Now, they weren't old like Maybe some of you young people think people are old. Like now that I'm in my 40s, like 40s, 50s, 60s, that's not old, all right? But, but if you're in your 90s, like Abraham and Sarah, they were in their 90s, and they still hadn't had a child yet. It had been a long time since God made a promise, and that promise coming into fulfillment. But now they're in their 90s. And so let's pick up in verse 1. Genesis chapter 21 says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his, what age? 
old age. Even the Bible says they were old, not being mean, right? At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. In verse 6 it says, And Sarah said, God has made what? Laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. doesn't say they're going to laugh at me. They're going to laugh over me. So as, a, as a, a realization of the joy and the laughter they have, they named their son Isaac. That literally means laughter. And, and she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God brings joy through unexpected blessings. He does over and over. He does it when, it, when, we, when we don't expect it or when we give up. Like I imagine Abraham and Sarah, remember, they, they probably went public. And I love in Scripture where she says, hey, people have told me, like, they're going to nurse children in their 90s? Like, again, we know that it's possible to have a child in your 40s, 50s, 60s. But when it gets to be in your 90s, it's like, no way, it's impossible. I imagine that their friends and family were like, you sure you heard from God on him promising you to have a child? Like you're in your 90s now, Sarah. It's not going to happen. You, you, you didn't hear it right. Like, or God's not true to his promise. And imagine like the, the time between the promise and the delivery, literally, of that promise through the son of Isaac. And imagine when it happened, the joy that filled her heart. It wasn't that they just had a child. It's that the promise of God came true. And it was anchored to God's promise and who God was that he came through on his promise. Not in their timetable, but in God's. The Bible says that like it's a, a, a year, is, or a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years with the Lord is like a day. And over and over we see this in scripture, right? We see it. Like when, when Mary and Martha came to Jesus and said, hey, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Will you come? And, and Jesus didn't come. And Lazarus, is di- Lazarus dies. And not just one, two days, but it was three days before Jesus showed up and raised Lazarus from the dead. And over and over we see that in Scripture. And I think that allows the things to happen in our lives. He allows us to be maybe broken or humble or dependent upon him. So we will turn to God. So we'll, we'll be humble in our hearts. Right? We look around this world and it's dark. There's an economic threat. There's a physical threat. We're seeing all the, the devastation that's happening in our, in our country and in our world. It's easy to go, where is God in this? And God in his, his mercy allows things to happen. And we're like, well, how come God isn't coming back? Well, they said the same thing 2,000 years ago. In 1 Peter chapter 3, people scoffed and said, you said Jesus was coming back. Where is he? But Scripture says why he has not come back. Because he is rich in patience. He desires that everyone would repent and come to know the Lord. Like he is patient in his love. And so we've got to trust the Lord in his timing. And we can face all of our trials. Jesus says that we are going to face trials But take heart. Know that Jesus has overcome the world. He is victorious. He is alive, right? We've got to trust the Lord in that. And in that truth, we can have joy in our journey. We can have joy in our journey. And it's God's will that you be full of joy. You know that? Like Jesus said, to listen to my words. Let my words remain in you that your joy would be full. Like Jesus wants you to have his supernatural joy in his life. And so my hope for you, that as you follow Jesus and you become a devoted, mature follower of him, you would value 
joy, that you would see it as a supernatural fruit, a demonstration. It's a mark of spiritual maturity that you can face, as James 1 says, face every trial, and you can rejoice when you face those trials because it's developing a deeper character, and there's joys. Joy, again, is different from happiness in that joy is dependent on who? On Jesus. Happiness is dependent upon your circumstance and what goes on on around you. And as followers of Christ, we can have joy even during the difficult times. Even through the hard times, we can have joy in our journey. Even in the Old Testament, like this was, this was so important to the Lord that there were several times during the year that they were to, that they were to stop what they were doing and have a feast, a party, a celebration. There were the Feast of the Tabernacles, Feast of Lights, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Passover. No matter what you were doing or how busy you were, no matter how you felt, you were to stop, gather together with your friends and family, eat, drink, dance, rejoice, celebrate, sometimes for days, and praise God that he's good no matter what. And the same thing for us. We need to cultivate a discipline of celebrating and having joy no matter what we go through. No matter what we go through, let's have joy and be full of joy. A theme verse for us during the series has been Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15. So I recommend having fun. Having what? Fun. Because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. It doesn't mean that life isn't hard. right? There's difficulty. And when you experience a trial... It's okay to have sorrow. It's okay to lament. It's okay to be discouraged. Those are common human emotions and reactions that, that we have, the way that God designed us. But it's not okay for that day of mourning to stretch to weeks, to months, to a season where you're just dwelling there continually, worrying, giving up. Like God doesn't want that to be there. Like there is, there's, there's mourning in the evening, but guess what comes in the morning? Joy, right? Joy comes in. The, and so we need to have hope, have faith in the Lord that he will redeem, that there, he will work things together for the good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That we can trust the Lord and have joy and choose joy along the way. Because if you don't, your spirit is going to dry up. And people aren't going to want to be around you. And you're not going to want to be around yourself. And so how do we have joy in the journey? I want to give you three expressions, three expressions that you can choose to have joy in the journey. First, have happiness on your face. Have happiness on your face. This is where it starts, all right? This is where it begins. Some of you are like, I don't feel like I have joy or happy, so I'm not going to fake it. And I, and, or some of you are thinking, hey, I, I am a happy person, but we don't know because your face isn't showing it. <laughs> And so you need to let your, what's going on, on the inside come out on the outside because some of you are like, hey, it's not my personality or I'm more stoic by nature or melancholic. And, and guess what? Perception is a reality. And if you are a follower of Christ, it's important for you to demonstrate the joy of the Lord and smile. And we should lead the way in smiling. The Bible says don't be conformed to the world around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the way you think. And it's important that we smile. It's a discipline, all right? And it's hard to smile when things are tough. 
But we need to do that because we glorify the Lord around us and we have the hope within us. And we know that Jesus is alive, he's victorious, and we will be victorious through him. Amen? So it really is a discipline. How many of you know when you start working out and exercising or running or lifting weights, it's painful. It doesn't feel good. Your body doesn't feel good, but it's a discipline, right? And the more you discipline yourself, it becomes a desire, and then it becomes a delight. It's the same thing with spiritual disciplines. Like when you're praying or getting in the Word and you're memorizing Scripture, studying. at first it's a different schedule and it's a discipline, but that discipline becomes a desire and it becomes a delight. And the same thing with smiling, rejoicing. It's important. This is biblical because over in, over in Scripture, God commands us to do something physically because he knows it will influence us emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. What we do in the natural, by faith, something can sometimes break in the supernatural. That's why he says to stand up, to lift up your heads, to lift up your hands, to bow. Because the posture of your physical will influence the posture of your heart. So we first, we have happiness where? On our face. Second, have levity in your heart. Levity in your heart. Levity means to find humor even in the most seriousness. Like it comes from a Latin word that means lightness. There's a lot of heaviness around us. We can admit that, right? We can agree that this is a a darker season, maybe one of the most darkest seasons I've ever seen. There's a lot of civil unrest, a lot of division, a lot of of discouragement, a lot of of despair in the world around us. But we need to have levity. The, The Lord wants you to have levity. He doesn't want you to be too heavy. The world is heavy. He doesn't want you to be so heavy all the time. In fact, it says in his words, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 34, he says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. He's saying, Examine yourselves, check yourselves, watch out, be careful. I don't want you to just be heavy and, and discouraged and so serious all the time. And, and don't, you know, just even in the first century, there was a lot of persecution, a lot of pressure. And, and discouragement, but the disciples, they didn't give up. They, they, they had joy even when they faced persecution. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with what? Joy and with the Holy Spirit. So how do you cultivate joy on the journey? By having joy, having the Holy Spirit with you. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Man, your, your shoulders have been dipping a little bit. And the Lord's saying, come to me. I want to give you rest. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. We know that Jesus is joyful. And he wants his joy to be in you. So have joy in your heart. Have levity in your heart. And it's not, again, dependent upon circumstances. It's not that you should have joy or rejoice sometimes. Scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. It's so important that he says, and again I say rejoice. Now I want to invite you back next Sunday because we're going to start a brand new series called Soapbox. And it's based on the book in the New Testament called Philippians. And we are going to discover where Paul was when he wrote this letter to the church, the theme of this letter, and this command to rejoice. It makes no sense in the natural why Paul would say this. 
He was being persecuted. It was a, a discouraging time in his life. But he says to rejoice. And the key to this scripture, the key to rejoicing always, the key to having joy in the journey is notice the words, the two words, the three words in between rejoice and always is what? In the Lord. Look over to the neighbor and say rejoice in the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's so important that you get this, that you rejoice in the Lord. If Christ is in you and you are in the Lord, then you are going to be able to rejoice always. It's supernatural. It's a powerful connection that you need to have that you can rejoice always if it's in the Lord. Because if you are in the Lord, it's not a sometimes faith, right? It's always During the good times and the not-so-good times, you can rejoice always. You can have joy in the Lord. Not sometimes, not periodically, not occasionally, not a few times, but how often? Always rejoice. And this is the best way that you can continue your journey with joy, and that is cultivating the presence of the Lord. When you practice the presence of the Lord, when you value abiding with the Lord, and this is why it's so key Not to look at what's going on around you and focus on the problems or the trials or what the world is going through. The enemy wants to steal your joy. And he does it three ways. He does it through fear. He does it through stress. And he does it through worry. He wants you to fix your eyes, your mind on a problem. And he wants you to worst case it. And he wants you to think about how bad it could be. And, and the reality is, how many of you know that most of the time the things that we worry about don't even come true? But the enemy wants to get you to think about all the negative things, the negative thoughts. Or That's why Philippians 4 says to meditate on things that are good and praiseworthy and noble. And We need to fix our minds and our eyes upon Jesus. And when we understand how important it is to abide with the Lord, so if worry and Fear and anxiety and all the stress rob us of our joy. We need to look to the Lord and, and value spending time with him in Scripture, memorizing, meditating, studying the Word of God, praying and having praise. That's the antidote to cultivating joy along the journey. Spending time with Jesus. Just spending time with him. Because when the more time you spend with Jesus, guess what happens? Your problems get smaller and smaller, and Jesus gets bigger and bigger. And then if you know that Jesus is bigger and victorious and bigger than anything, then you're going to have hope and you're going to have joy. You're going to know that everything's going to be okay. You can have joy in your journey. Spend time with the Lord. So first, happiness where? On your face. Levity where? In your heart. And third, praise in your mouth. Praise in your mouth. Psalm 92, verse 4. For you, O Lord, have made me, what? Glad by your work at the works of your hands. I sing for what? Joy. Now I know, Dave, you read through the Psalms. I've read, in the last two months, I've read through the Psalms and through Proverbs, and I've circled in my Bible every time I saw the word joy. And I know that when you through this, read through the Psalms, yes, David's real, right? He's transparent. He's vulnerable. You see the lament. You see the discouragement. But when you go through and just like go, all right, joy is a priority, joy is all the way through these two books. It's all the way through. It's a thread throughout the Word of God. Like we can have joy, but there's a connection between joy and praise. There's a difference between praise and worship. Worship is intimate. It's important. We should worship, but worship is to the Lord. Praise is about the Lord. It's lifting up and saying, God, you are good. You are strong. You are faithful. It says in Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2, 
Make a, what kind of shout? A joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So it says that we should make a joyful shout. There's times that we need to be excited. And I know, again, around us it doesn't make sense. But when we come into the presence of the Lord, when we're with each other, we need to come with expectation and, and know that, that we are in the presence of the Lord. He inhabits the praise of his people. And we begin to lift up our voices and sing, even when we don't feel like it. And we begin to shout how good he is. And there's something, there, there's a synergy. There's a, a faith moment. There's a, a bond where there's something that happens. It's contagious, right? Like look over to someone with a big old smile. Here's a cheesy smile. Say, rejoice in the Lord always. It just becomes natural. You see someone else smiling, what happens? You want to smile even bigger. And so when you get around people, lead, don't wait for someone else to praise. You lead the way. You lead the way at your house and when your family. Lead the way in praising God. It's important. Some of you are like, I just don't feel like it. I'm, I'm discouraged. Look what Scripture says in Isaiah. Chapter 61, it says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God desires to be glorified in your life. And when you just camp out during a season or resign to a life of discouragement, the Lord's not being glorified. But even on your sickbed, you can praise God and you can glorify the Lord. People are watching, but more importantly, something happens in your own spirit. You're going to have a joy and you can, by faith, praise God. And when you begin to praise the Lord, there's an exchange happening spiritually. An exchange of discouragement is traded for a supernatural gift of joy in your life. God wants you to live your life with joy and it's reciprocal to a lot of times to your praise and so you need to cultivate a heart of praise in your mouth and you just watch how there will be more joy happening and people are going to notice and they're going to say man why are you so joyful I know what you're going through because I'm praising the Lord I'm spending time with God my eyes are locked in on Jesus I don't know about his timing but I trust him that he will fulfill his promise that all things will work together for the good to those who love him and God will be glorified when you choose joy in the journey. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 3 says, and let us exalt his name together. Isaiah 49 verse 14 says, sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the joy, had, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. He sees you when you're down. He sees the afflicted. He sees it. He, the Bible says he collects every tear in the bottle. He really cares. But no, and don't give up hope. Don't quit. Endure patiently. Trust in the Lord that he will redeem, that there will be joy. 